this case gives the phrase looks to die for a whole new meaning. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today we're going to cover the case of Chris Jones and Heather Palumbo. Heather Palumbo was originally from Florida, but ended up in Tennessee, and that's where she met her soon-to-be husband, Chris Jones. They met when she was 19, and she was in school to become a kindergarten teacher. They met while they were at a mutual friend's New Year's Eve party. And they were just drawn to each other. She found him very smart and charming. And he could see a future with her as well. In fact, the relationship moved rather quickly. And within weeks, they were already living together. A few years later came a wedding. They got sucked into that gaming lifestyle, which doesn't really give you a whole lot of exercise. It's more like hanging around the house, eating, playing. But she was happy and Heather really didn't seem to care. You know, she was starting to put on some weight, but Chris always made her feel beautiful. They ended up having two children together, and she was happy with her family. But as time went on, maybe that, you know, so-called light bulb went on, and she wanted to make herself feel better. Heather, at this point, had put on 160 pounds. So she decided that she was going to take her life back, and she joined an exercise class. Like one of them Zumba classes. And she literally danced the pounds away. She was almost at her goal weight. She was feeling better than ever. She also became very close with the instructor who worked there, Carrie Cooper. And they kind of got into a little click. And they were there for each other. And they would share stories. And they would be a driving force for each other. The girls at the class said that they could just see that Heather was starting to bloom. They even called her the butterfly because she was spreading her wings. She now had confidence. She felt good. She bought a new sexy black dress. She finally felt sexy. You know, she was in a good place. She loved her job at the Fraser Achievement School, but not everything was perfect. She started realizing that she was ready for a fresh start with her children. And in January of 2013, after nine years of marriage, she moved out of the townhouse that she shared with Chris, and she got a house of her own right down the street. She also got a restraining order on him due to his growing bizarre behavior. Ever since Heather started losing the weight, it just seemed like it turned him into a different person. He felt like he was losing grasp on her, and he would stalk her. He was always in her business. So much to the fact that when she did move out, she had to do it ninja style, like while he was at work. That way, he couldn't get involved. He didn't even know that she wanted out or that she had already filed for divorce. So all that was a pretty big shock to him. On April 15th, 2013, she got all dressed up to go dancing with the girls, and they went to a club that was playing Roomba music, and she wanted to practice out her skills that she had been learning. And they all had a great night. They had a good time. They danced all night. The next day, Heather doesn't show up to work. And this is completely unlike her. She was usually there between 6.30 and 7 o'clock in the morning, getting ready for the day. And a fellow teacher named Jessica noticed when she was pulling into the parking lot that day 
that Heather's car wasn't there. And she even thought to herself that that was kind of odd because Heather always beat her at work. When Jessica noticed that her car wasn't in the parking lot, she goes right to her room and finds it dark. Right away, she gets in her car and she goes over to Heather's house. She's already alarmed. She doesn't know what's going on, but she does know like this is unlike her friend. When she arrives, she's somewhat relieved because she finds Heather's car. It's in the driveway. So she's thinking, you know, maybe, well, maybe she's sick. But she's not answering the door and she's not answering her phone. So Jessica decides to call Melissa Smith, who is Heather's best friend, who has a key. That way they can get in and take a look around, see if there's anything out of place, anything that should alert them. Is Heather in the house? Where is she? First thing that they notice is that her purse, which had her car keys and cell phone, were gone. But there was no sign of Heather. They call the police to report a missing person. Chris, he also goes to the police station to report his wife missing and to tell them that he received a weird email from Heather that day. And the email states, come get Ava. I cannot face them like this. Please forgive me and raise them to remember me as their mommy. So the cops, of course, are like, okay, is she suicidal? Is she okay? Do we have mental issues going on? What's, what's her background? And he says that he hasn't seen her and he has no clue what's going on, that this is not typical Heather. So he's not sure what is happening. Within 24 hours of her missing, Carrie Cooper, who was the dance instructor, she actually was also a Memphis police officer. So she got to work right away. She did not want to waste any time because everybody knows the longer you wait, the harder it is to find people. So they got to work, they handed out flyers, they had search parties, they started social media accounts trying to figure out where she went. Has anybody seen her? Has anybody talked to her? The cops talked to her close friends, you know, to, to see where Heather's head was at. Try to see what, what's been going on in her life. Did she have an affair? Was she suicidal? And all of her friends said absolutely not, that this woman was no way, shape, or form suicidal. She was excited about life right now. There's no way in hell she would think about ending it. Her life was just getting exciting. They had told the cops that she gained a new outcome on life and that she was coming out of her shell. There was just no way she was walking away now. So they bring Chris back in for questioning again, and... This is when he also tells them that they had a court date coming up that was just days away for the divorce and that he thinks that maybe Heather was seeing another man and gives them the name of Edward. He didn't have a last name or really anything about the guy, just that his name was Edward. He said that he had seen some text messages between the two going on. So the cops are able to track down this elusive Edward and his name is Edward Rollerson. And he lived about 500 miles on the eastern side of Tennessee. So they asked him to come down and he obliged. He, he came down and he took the eight hour drive so he could talk to the detectives. Detective Cook had asked him on the phone, is your girlfriend there? And he's like, well, yeah, she's in the backyard. And the detective's like, oh, okay, so Heather is okay. And he was like, that's not my girlfriend. 
that they had known each other for many years and they actually dated in 1993 for two years, but they were young and it, it just, it didn't work out. He said that she started to post pictures of her proud weight loss. And so he had reached out to congratulate her on being able to lose the weight. And this time, Heather, you know, she was happy to hear from him. And this time she was single. So they decided that they were going to keep in touch and just see what happens. He said that their conversations, you know, they, they'd get a little flirty and he said that one day Heather decided that she was going to initiate sexting and that he was pretty surprised and caught off guard since she had never talked to him like that before. But he admitted that, I mean, he went along with it. He, he wasn't mad at it. You know, he said, you never forget your first love. He insisted that they may have been speaking over the phone, but that they have not been face to face in all these years. The night she went missing, she was actually on the phone with Edward. He said he got a call and it was a little disheveled, but he could hear a man's voice arguing with her in the background. She was asking the man to leave and he wasn't sure who the man was, but said that he was almost positive that he thought it was Chris. Phone records did show that he was telling the truth and that Edward was home on the day that she disappeared. It was starting to come to light that cops are starting to think that this has got to be Chris. Chris may not be the worried husband that he was appearing to be. They decided to hide a GPS monitor on his car, hoping that maybe he would take them to her. But almost immediately, he does something very strange. They called him in to see if he could come back in, do another interview, and they noticed this time that his car stops on the radar about a quarter mile away. He parked it at a mall, and they're pretty much just sitting there watching his screen, and they're like, what the hell is this guy doing? And guess who walks through the door? So now they know that he doesn't want his car in the vicinity of this police station. He walked there from the mall. So, of course, they're not going to let him know they know that. But they're definitely going to use that to their advantage and try to find out exactly why does he not want us in the vicinity of his car. So they get cadaver dogs and they walk them over by his vehicle and the dogs, they alert. They confront him with the findings and all of a sudden he just starts to deflate and you can tell he's thinking the wheels are turning what am i gonna say how am i gonna cover this up what are we gonna do he tells them that he did go to her house with hopes of talking to her and working out the marriage that he wanted to confront her about this edward guy and see what she had to say about it he said that they were on the front porch and they were arguing and that they were fighting over her phone, that he was trying to grab the phone out of her, her hand and she had lost her footing and fell and hit her head and that he could hear the crack and she died. He told them that he took her body to the gas station. So they sent cops there to look at the, the footage and he was not at the gas station. So they're like, okay, no, try again. So then he tries to tell them that he paid someone to move the body. And at this point, they're like, all right, cut the shit. Like, what, what did you do? Enough. Enough of this go around. So 
he motions for a pen and paper and he drew them a map of where they could find her body. After seven days of Heather being missing, they found her body and her body was badly burned. He was arrested on first degree murder and abuse of a corpse. He finally told them the truth and said that he actually strangled her and then he burned her body. Friends said that Chris used her weight to control her and that he liked that she was a big girl. That's what he wanted. It made him feel more secure and he knew that he would have a hold on her. Once he had her under his control, then he would tell her things like, you know, no one's going to want you now. Look how big you are. No one's going to want you like I do. No one's going to love you like I do. When she started to get serious and started losing the weight, he was not happy. And he would actually bring her fatty foods like McDonald's and stuff to work on her lunch, just trying to fat her up again, just trying to get her to gain more weight. She even confided in a friend saying that he bluntly told her that he wants her to gain it back. But, you know, she would tell him to stop and that she's not trying to eat junk food and she's she's trying to be healthy. She wanted to better herself, but he just couldn't stop himself. The craziest thing about all this is that it ended up coming out that Chris actually is the one who had an affair. Shocker, right? I mean, and I think that was the nail in the coffin for Heather. She found out about the affair and she's like, you know what? I deserve better. And she was going to go and find better. And he just couldn't have that. And that's so typical, though, that people who always want to sit and tell you that you're the one cheating, it's always them. It's crazy how that always works out that way. In March of 2015, after an extensive trial and following the testimony of dozens of witnesses that painted Chris Jones as a desperate, jealous maniac, and thank God he was found guilty of second-degree murder. He didn't take the stand in his defense. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He also received an additional two years for abuse of a corpse. This story is just, it's so sad because this woman was starting to flourish. She was starting to become happy again. She was going to get a second chance. And he took that away from her. And that's just... It's unfortunate and it's not fair. Abuse is never okay. Whether it's mental, physical, emotional, abuse is never okay. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to get your crime fix on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also listen to them at crimeovercocktails.com. While you're there, you can check out the merch. You can become a Patreon, help support the show. Make sure while you're there, you like, follow, subscribe, and give that five-star rating. All right, we'll talk crime another time. Bye. Bye.